what's up, Crypt Nation? Bryce Paul and the Notorious Pizza Mind coming at you per usual from the sunny and 70 San Diego. All right, so if you haven't heard yet, Pete's and I just finished writing a 290-page book called Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. And we did this so that anyone anywhere in the world can learn about really how cryptocurrency and blockchain technology are putting the power back in the hands of the people. And really, we wrote this to equip the masses with the tools to profit from this revolution. So whether you invest in crypto or something else, the point is that you need to escape inflation, which is a hidden tax on your savings by investing in your future. And we think that crypto is really the hottest market, which has the most upside potential. And we are so confident that Crypto Revolution is the perfect starting point, whether you're the crypto curious or the seasoned investor just looking to learn about the world's newest asset class. All right. The best part is we're giving it away literally for free. Okay? For free. All we ask is you pay for shipping uh, just to help offset the cost of the book. We're literally making zero dollars on this and are just doing it to give back to our amazing community of listeners. All right. So go to CryptoRevolution.com today and get your free copy. All right, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. I hope everybody is just having a delightful morning, noon, and or night, because wherever you are in the world, you're in the right place. Pizza Mind, isn't that right? That's 100% right. I hope you're out there staying safe, taking care of your loved ones. We're going to continue with the theme that we've had all year long, and that's interoperability. And we can't have interoperability in crypto without a behemoth and someone solving the Oracle problem. But what does that mean? Well, Bryce, we needed to bring on an expert to explain that. So here with us today, we have Sergey Nazarov, the co-founder of Chainlink. Sergey, welcome to Crypto 101. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. We really, really couldn't be more excited uh, to dive into Chainlink. Uh, I mean, this is a project that has been, uh, you know, seen so much great success in the last few years. Um, and we're really excited to dive into it. But before we do that, uh, Sergey, could you please just briefly introduce yourself to our listeners who, who might not have heard of Chainlink, who might not have heard of you? And um, let's just start there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I'm one of the co-founders of Chainlink. I've, uh, I've been building smart contracts for approaching seven years now. We've been building smart contracts for uh, all kinds of large, uh, large banks, large technology companies, working with companies like Google, Swift, uh, a number of uh, large crypto startups that are live in production like Synthetics, uh, Aave, uh, a, number, a number of others. What, what we do is we provide uh, something called an Oracle mechanism. An Oracle mechanism enables smart contracts to interact with external data. Their interaction with external data is very important because it, it defines what they can actually be written about. So a smart contract can only really be written about the data that it can interact with. And its ability to interact with data is limited. And we expand that capability, which greatly expands what smart contracts can, can be used for. And, and that's kind of the focus and the goal of our, of our body of work at Chainlink. Awesome. And what were you doing prior to founding Chainlink? So, I mean, I've been in the space for a while, since about 2011, there from about 2011 to something like 13, 14, I was mainly mining because that's kind of all that you can do. And then with all uh, the initial appearance of what were then called app coins, which was the first smart contract based systems beyond Bitcoin multisig, 
Uh, we started building some of the first decentralized applications, uh, things related to secure messaging like CryptoMail, something called Secure Asset Exchange related to decentralized exchange. Uh, and then we evolved into smartcontract.com, which, uh, which essentially had a full stack solution for building smart contracts that did uh, things other than tokenization. So those smart contracts would interact with all kinds of data feeds to prove delivery of goods or, for, or fulfillment of some kind of contractual obligation. And then they would pay out in Bitcoin or, or, or other tokens. And yeah, so kind of as, as the space has evolved and as the capabilities of blockchains have evolved, we've consistently been building a lot of these smart contracts, both for users and for banks, insurance companies. And we basically arrived at the conclusion that um, if you're going to build smart contracts that do things other than tokenization, even though tokenization is very interesting and useful, it, it kind of is very useful for getting value onto a blockchain. And, and that's a, a very important first step in the evolution of this kind of ecosystem. But if you actually want want to build a lot of the use cases that at least get 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 me and many of the people on our team and in our community excited, you, you actually need something called an Oracle, which is what once again connects the smart contract to all these systems that it needs to use to be used for something like insurance or different financial products. And we just kind of decided to focus wholesale, um, wholesale on, on that problem, partly because there was a certain amount of focus in the space where people started building out different parts uh, parts of what's called a decentralized stack, so like the collection of technologies that that people use to build smart contracts, started getting more focused, and we essentially decided to focus on oracles because we knew from our our long time experience um, building smart contracts that if people are going to build some of these kind of next generation contracts, they're going to need to be uh, oracle enabled, externally connected contracts. So if we look all the way back to you know when you got started in crypto. There's been thousands of different blockchains that have been created since several thousand different currencies. You know, the people have all just copied and stuff, but there's only ever been a handful of people trying to solve this Oracle problem. Why is it not so simple? And what are some of the struggles that you guys have run into and overcome over there at Chainlink to be the leaders in? Yeah, so the, the nature of the problem is 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 a little bit is a little bit different. The many blockchains that you've talked about, a lot of a lot of them have often copied other chains, or they've copied parts of other chains and made slight changes or some moderately significant additions, and and then they've gone on to basically transactions that are put into blocks that are secured by by miners, following um, a pretty you know not standard but but a few set of standard kind of methods of consensus that 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 secure those blocks. Now, I, I think it's just important to understand, even even before we jump into the nuances of, of what we work on, kind of what the what, what the real nature of the problem we're, we're solving is. So, and to understand the nature of the problem, it's usually important to to understand kind of the you know the state the state of the world that we're trying to get to. So, so smart contracts, generally speaking, they they can only actually be used around data that they can access. So. The contracts that exist now are contracts focused on tokenization because the, the contract related to tokenization actually makes its own data. So when you, when, you, when you launch a token, you make a contract, you generate a bunch of tokens, and then that contract basically manipulates and moves around that data about who owns, um, who owns what token, right? So that's, that's essentially what, what category of data a smart contract uh, predominantly interacts with not not so much now. Now that's changing with DeFi and decentralized insurance. But 
maybe a year or two ago, that, that was the predominant category. Now, what, what, what we're seeking to do is, is not to create an additional chain. We, we actually work with many different chains, uh, Ethereum, Polkadot, Tezos, Hyperledger, uh, a, whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of different chains and environments. And, and what we really do is basically create a, a parallel system that sits between a blockchain and all the other systems that that blockchain's contracts would need to interact with. And, and the important point to understand here is that the contracts on a blockchain don't have a capability to speak with an external system, like a, a data feed about market prices or about shipping pro- product locations or, or, or any other pieces of data that could prove and do prove that something happened in a contract. Uh, right. But yeah. I, I was going to say, I love that idea right there that you talked about with like an automated supply chain uh, kind of run on smart contracts with events on chain being triggered by uh, events that happen in the real world. Could you kind of walk us through what, what, what a supply chain running with Chainlink would look like when it's like triggered by IoT devices and stuff like that? I, I think j- just to jump ahead a little bit, the, the, the nature of the problem is, is the ability is the ability to access this external data in, in your example, supply chain data of, of something arriving, something else. And then to, to answer your initial question, the, the, the real issue is how do you get that interaction between a blockchain and a smart contract, which is only useful because it's extremely secure? And how do you get that interaction to, to meet the same level of security and reliability as the contract, right? If, if you take a smart contract and you connect it to a system that is very easy to manipulate or very easy to game, then the only thing that anybody needs to do to break that contract is manipulate the system that it's connected to, right? Now, what, what, what this means is that there needs to be a way for a smart contract that is secured by tens or hundreds or thousands of nodes to have an input, whether it's a supply chain input or a market price input or an insurance-related input in terms of uh, data that proves that something happened, but that input needs to be sufficiently validated and needs to be so that it meets the same standard of security and reliability as the contract itself, right? So this is, this is really the, the complex nature of this problem. It's, it's not the same kind of complexity category of problems as blockchains themselves, and we don't actually have a chain of our own. But what, what we focus on is the ability for a blockchain or a smart contract to interact with an external system but for that interaction to be guaranteed through the same methods of uh, decentralized computation, consensus, and methods like trusted execution environments, zero knowledge proofs, to, to the point that the input plus the smart contract on average have the same security and reliability as, as if it was just the contract itself, right? So you're, you're expanding what a contract can do while seeking to maintain the security and the guarantees of that contract. Now, in, in terms of your, your supply chain example, I, I think what this looks like is, is one, of the, one of the more common dynamics that, that blockchains and smart contracts are now more well-known for is uh, creating a golden record. So a single source of truth type of golden record dynamic where you would consistently update one record about the status of, of a supply chain item and that, that one record would then be housed in a smart contract, which is so reliable 
and so correct that that one piece of data can easily move and reliably be used between different systems. So the problem in, in many supply chain and other really complex systems where there's many participants is there's a lot of reconciliation. There's a lot of my system generated some data, but I, I, I want to give it to you. It's in a different format or it, I don't, you know, the other, the, the second system doesn't trust the first system's data. And then the third system's data doesn't trust the second system's data. And, and that creates all kinds of gaps for fraud, all kinds of delays, you know, all kinds of various problems that tend to recur in both uh, the supply chain context, the insurance context, and, and, and in the kind of global financial context. So for, for supply chains, to, to walk you through a high-level use case, you would basically have uh, oracles that, uh, let's, let's take an example for something, you know, we've work, worked on years ago and, and still work on with, um, with, with certain folks uh, on and off is, is, is frozen, uh, frozen goods insurance. So what you basically have is you have some kind of goods being shipped. Those goods need um, AES, something called AIS GPS data. That's data about where the location of the container ship. You can have IoT data about the temperature of the goods. And then you, you can basically see that the goods are in transit. The goods have remained frozen. The goods have arrived at a port. The goods have gone through a certain customs procedure. And, and all of this data can then get appended to, to a single contract record about those goods. And, and that single contract record about, about those goods then forms a single source of truth that everybody can drive their systems off of, right? And so now people don't need to necessarily kind of rebuild every part of the record's history or, or data. They can rely on a single, uh, single record that is reliable because it's in the form of a smart contract, but also very importantly, it's reliable because the data that's being appended to it is also considered reliable, right? So I think in all of these examples, whether it's supply chain-based or, or decentralized finance or insurance, in, in all of them, there's, there's a consistent path to creating either a, a record or some kind of logic that people know is going to be reliable. and the manipulation of that logic it can take different forms. It can be an attack vector on the chain. It can be any, any number of other, other, other attack factors. But one of the ones that people do need to kind of overcome, and what, which has sort of kept the space from achieving this, this higher level of more smart contracts about insurance, financial products, supply chains, is that the data that, that ends up making up that smart contract needs to also meet those same security and reliability guarantees. Does, does, does that add, add up for you? Does, does that answer your yeah, question? That's an amazing answer. You know, one of the favorite examples that I have, and I think one of the greatest that could be for, for oracles, is for me, baseball. Let's say, for example, you've got all of your tickets that have been tokenized, and, or even not, potentially, um, but you've got these IoT sensors at the stadium, and they're detecting changes in barometric pressure, and they trigger a smart contract and say, hey, let's confirm that the weather report says it's probably going to rain. The IoT device, the weather report, that triggers another event when they both match, and they send a message to the commissioner of baseball saying, hey, more than likely this game's going to get rained out. Do you want to cancel the game and refund all the tickets? With one button, the commissioner says yes, and then through all kinds of smart contracts, all the tickets are refunded, the game's rescheduled, all the websites that are tracking the game get updated, all 
in real time, essentially, thanks to something like what you're building at Chainlink. Yeah, I, I think all of that can happen, and I think the the things uh, the things to highlight there's there's a lot of pieces that need to get built for something like that to happen, and I think it makes 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 perfect. I think the ones I would highlight that that are relevant to what we're working on is the ability for the contract to know about what's what's going on with the in order in order to come to a certain determination, and and for that determination to then do something like maybe. Maybe you need you need the smart contract to pay people back in different currencies, and and then you can have an oracle or or a chain link that's also related to generating a payment in some system that's outside of a blockchain, and then returning proof back to the system that the payment has happened. So, I mean, I I think the ways that, way that I would really think about chain link and oracles is that it's it's a very um, very strong augment and a very and and, and a very significant complement to to what. Uh, blockchains are able to do, and and for example, the example that that you've talked through would definitely need an oracle, um, as would other examples like that, where you would use the rain data to to provide insurance to farmers in the markets so that they could be made whole if there wasn't enough rainfall, or to make decentralized financial products uh, like like the ones we're starting to see grow in the market now. Kind of all of all of these use cases do require this um, this capability of an oracle to to get this data. Because the the smart contracts, despite being called smart contracts in in many blockchains, are not inherently able to do this, because the security model that makes them secure to begin with um, limits their input output kind of networking capabilities, um, along with other considerations about how they reach consensus. So, I, I think yeah, the the important part of what what you've described is is the ability for the smart contract to know something happened, um, and for that contract to also be able to do things like maybe send the payment. Uh, if if that payment wasn't wasn't in the in some in a cryptocurrency. Speaking of DeFi, you just mentioned that's one of our other favorite topics here. Um, I saw you recently launched like twenty five price reference data feeds for uh, DeFi. Can you talk about why these data feeds are so important to DeFi? Yeah, yeah, I I I, th- I think they are they are very important, uh, and we've already seen people launch uh, using them. Uh, launch kind of on time, ahead of schedule. Launch new markets and the existing products. I, I think it's kind of really the the beginning of creating a dynamic for people be, to be able to make DeFi applications quickly. Um, because if you think about how a developer makes an application, he writes core code and then he has inputs into that code, right? Like for Uber, that would be the GPS location of a user. And then he has outputs from that code, like the payment to the driver, right? And it, it's very difficult to quickly uh, make an application or, or even make an application at all if you don't have inputs and outputs, right? If you don't have an input about GPS data, you can't make, of a user, you can't make Uber. And if, if you don't have the ability to pay uh, out a driver, you, you, it's also probably very difficult because you have all kinds of limits. So what, what these DeFi re- reference price data, data feeds do is they provide a very critical input to, to, the, to, to the world of decentralized financial products. And that critical input is price data. So financial products, uh, a lot of them are basically com- completely, almost completely, in many cases, they are completely driven by uh, price data. So they are, they are driven by, by, the, by the ability to know that a market price reached a certain threshold or changed to a certain degree and then there needs to be a settlement and 
and, and there needs to be some kind of interest rate paid. There needs to be all kinds of events related to market price changes, whether these are uh, you know, things related to futures or any kinds of derivatives or, or, or many of these products that, that are made by great companies like synthetics and others. Now, uh, one of the things that, that has been holding people back is, is, is this Oracle problem, is this Oracle mechanism. And what, what we've done at Chainlink is, is we have a very flexible Oracle mechanism and, and kind of network of node operators that can be used in, in many different ways. And, and one of the ways that, it, that it's used in this case is, is, is we've composed a network of high quality nodes, um, in many cases over 20 nodes, to validate that a market price is, is at a certain level. And that highly validated piece of data is then used to trigger a smart contract, um, providing the assurance that the accuracy of that data is something that, in, in, in combination with the contract security, creates a, a truly um, reliable, highly secure, end-to-end -end kind of smart contract, right? So... The, these price uh, reference data feeds, they, they're putting on a, a, a large, large amount of data on chain into, into, into networks like Ethereum. I, I think it's the most data on chain that's ever, ever been on there. And we have a, a large amount of users um, already using them, even more starting to use them. And, and the other really fascinating thing is that these networks will actually be sustained by user fees. So they'll, they'll, they'll end up being sustained by users paying for these networks uh, and 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 they will pay for them because a lot of the users have the need for the same types of data because a lot of them have markets or financial products that rely on the same on the same market right like they rely on the ETUSD market price or the BTCUSD market price or 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 some other market price that that they've been there built their markets on. So uh, I, I think with the price reference data networks, we're, we're seeing two very exciting things. The, the first one is the ability to streamline the process through which a developer goes through to make a decentralized financial product. And, and thanks to Ethereum and, and other inter really interesting blockchains, it's a streamlined product uh, process from the point of view of writing the core code. And now thanks to Chainlink and these reference price data networks, it's, it's now a streamlined process in the second half of that process of like, what are the inputs into into this into this decentralized financial product. Do you have a friend who's interested in getting into cryptocurrency, but they don't know where to start building their portfolio? Well, we have the answer. It's called Copy Trader by eToro. With Copy Trader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders, just like myself or Bryce or Kevin, at the exact price point and in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply just sign up and copy our trades. Any profits that we make, you do too. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You, proportional to your investment, of course. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees all in one easy-to-use app. Copy the smart money with eToro. Join now at etoro.com slash crypto 101. Thank you. Really brilliant uh, and very well said, well explained. You know, I'm really excited about all the different applications uh, that DeFi is really coming out with. We have some peer-to-peer lending stuff. We have, um, you know, different, uh, you know, ways to like a decentralized bank, essentially with MakerDAO. Are there um, any DeFi applications that haven't been necessarily created yet uh, that you think are going to be emerging soon uh, that are going to be leveraging Chainlink? Yeah, I, th- I think there are a few. I don't know if I can exactly mention them now that I think about it. So I, I, I think the thing that I, that, the, that I would say is that not only can decentralized financial ecosystem take the existing financial worlds, many different types of products and replicate all of them on, onto a this this more secure blockchain based format, but that I, I think there are going to be a lot of a lot of things related to revenue sharing and, and related to all kinds of amazing different um, derivatives and, and all kinds of other financial products that are realistically going to be made much better and much sooner in these decentralized uh, decentralized systems. I, I, I think derivatives have have a very uh, very large large role to play in the evolution of. Um, of decentralized financial products. I, I think that's 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 the main thing I would say. Derivatives like synthetics and and, and others. Very cool. We'll definitely have to keep an eye on synthetics. Um, to, going back to one of the things you were talking about earlier, you mentioned insurance, uh, particularly data-driven insurance. Can you give us a few high-level use cases talked about? Yeah, sure. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things that 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 people can insure, and and actually the insurance industry. Has already has this concept of, of parametric insurance and and the use of data. The insurance industry is actually very good at using data. They they rely on it to 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 basically provide people better prices on their premiums and and therefore win out uh, customers from 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 very price sensitive segments because it's I wouldn't say it's a commoditized industry, but I I would say there is definitely price sensitivity. So I I think that. The many examples that 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 I run into that that I think are are going to be quite meaningful are, are things in enterprise, so all kinds of enterprise insurance. So these could be examples like uh, insuring industrial industrial operations. One one example that I'm a fan of is solar is solar panel field insurance. You ensure that the solar panel field is is in fact operating up to up to specifications and putting out energy at the necessary level. Other types of insurance include insuring all kinds of uh, industrial operations, boilers, other things, whether it's IoT devices. Uh, basically, it, 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 it's something that the insurance industry definitely want to do, and they already have a mindset around using data. 
the, the two dynamics that that need to increase and that are, are gradually increasing and everything in the insurance industry happens gradually. It's a very gradual industry is, is that there needs to be more data and there needs to be more sensors and, and that those data and sensors are coming because um, that data is very valuable for insurance companies to evaluate their risk, which is, which is basically what, what an insurance company is. It's, it's an entity that excels at evaluating risk. Uh, I, I even know of many cases where insurance companies basically pay the bill to get sensors into clients, into certain users' infrastructure, in order to allow them to properly price premiums and and and, and properly manage manage the risk. So I, I think the amount of data is going to increase. the The second dynamic, the one that smart contracts really come into play, is the ability to to guarantee that uh, a policy will get followed through on. And that dyna- that dynamic is is very important in certain certain situations where if a policy isn't isn't followed through on it either creates catastrophic risk like one one example is emerging market farmers if if they didn't have rainfall fall fall for a certain amount of seasons and and they don't get a payout to their uh, mobile phone from an insurance policy you know, it's very possible they're not a farmer anymore and and there is actually a t- Kind of data to, to solve that problem and people are solving and they're solving using smart contracts which you know, I'm personally super excited about but th- there's also a lot of enterprise use cases where you, you you would basically have a very you would have a superior position as an insurance company when you when you come to a customer or policyholder and you say I'm I'm going to guarantee I'm going to guarantee that you're covered under this set of conditions as shown by these data sources uh, and and that creates a certain uh, a certain level of tr- trust that, um, and also it, it helps with something called claims management. So it also helps people uh, properly, basically optimize their operation because they front-loaded the conditions under which payment occurs. And and so and to many people, it might be surprising, but insurance companies, many much of the time, do actually want to pay out real claims. The, this is fraud and the costs of something called claims management. And so. So if you have data and you have a mechanism that you, in an ungameable way, evaluates that data, uh, not only can you give uh, a better better policy that with more guarantees, but you can also re- reduce your costs and claims management. So I, I think, um, yeah, there's 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 definitely something coming there. I, I think it's just it's just a gradual process. We just we put out a blog post on the insurance industry relatively recently, and I I, I think it's it's definitely definitely in the future of blockchains. It's it's just in an industry that moves relatively gradually, that usually speeds up only when the competitors in the industry begin to do something. So they, in, in the insurance industry, they have a very prevalent kind of fast, fast follower dynamic where they seek to, <laughs> they seek to catch up. Um, they don't seek to. It's, it's just you know like the first companies that were able to use um, data from cars about how fast car drivers were driving, they they became very successful very quickly. And the other insurance companies were then compelled to catch up. So it's one of those industries that moves very gradually. But then when one or two competitors start start getting a lead from, from some kind of technology, um, the rest of the industry very, very quickly begins uh, begin to, is, is what has historically kind of been the case with the insurance industry. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the, the insurance industry, that's such a large incumbent industry that will be heavily disrupted. Uh, I think by blockchain technology and and all the things that you guys are doing, but also another industry uh, that I'm really excited to to kind of you know that's really hard uh, hardly emerging here is 
the gaming industry. And I think blockchain is going to have a really big impact on that. And I see that Chainlink's beginning to integrate with a few uh, blockchain gaming apps. Um, how really are gaming applications gaining value from being built on the blockchain? That's kind of the first question. Um, and what particularly uh, needs do they have when it comes to using oracles? Yeah, so I, I think the, the dynamic with, uh, with gaming is, 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 is another recurring dynamic around how making a certain type of agreement fraud-proof is particularly valuable. So I, I, I think that in gaming, there are many, many examples where the gaming platform or the system that's responsible for paying people or determining if they get paid is, is essentially gamed, right? It's, it's essentially gamed by, um, by employees of the system or, or, or any number of other means. And, and for people that actually play various, um, various types of games, this is, this is a concerning dynamic. The, the second part dynamic that is, is worrying, and I wouldn't exactly call it fraud, is when, is when the rules of ownership in a game change. So either when a game shuts down and, and all the digital goods you've acquired are no longer useful, which, which can be quite difficult for certain people that have spent thousands of hours gaining those goods, or when the rules of, around those goods you know, begin to arbitrarily change uh, in a way that isn't driven by like, market dynamics or value, but it's, it's driven by a kind of centralized decision about how to change the value of certain goods. So I, I, I think blockchain-based has a lot, of, uh, a lot of very positive qualities to it in terms of the ability to provide guarantees to, to, to gamers that the game that they're playing is indeed fair and is, 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 and is ungamed and is, it is, it's not a rigged game that is in favor of the operator of the game or, or somebody who's able to compromise their systems, all, all, all of which happens um, relatively often and is actually the basis on which certain games compete is that they, they seek to prove to users that their system is, is both uh, immune to manipulation by employees and immune to manipulation by um, you know, malicious uh, external actors. Now, that, that, that's what the blockchain excels at, right? And smart contracts excel at is providing proof that the computation or the transaction or, or the kind of contractual outcome has been evaluated and decided on uh, correctly. Now, from the point of view of Chainlink and, and Oracles, the things that gaming companies care about is actually it's, it's, it's similar to, to, to insurance or, or financial products. Uh, it's, it's that the inputs into that highly reliable system of defining how the game works is, are also reliable, right? Because you, the users and, 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 and people who take risk by, by engaging in a game that could be rigged or by using an insurance contract or by using a financial product, users don't particularly care why a system failed. Like they kind of care later on and they would want to know because they want to avoid a future risk. But whether the system fails from a smart contract issue or from an Oracle-related issue or a data source-related issue, all, all of these kinds of explanations are secondary to the fact that the game was rigged or they lost money or something, something highly negative happened. And I, I, I think that in, in gaming, the, the things that we're seeing is, is the use of external data uh, around, uh, around defining a game, the use of randomness, which is, which is something we're working on very heavily and, and providing high quality um, verifiable randomness to, to um, gaming products through oracles. 
and, uh, and, 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 and basically all the other inputs that, that a game would want. So I, I think the right way to view uh, a blockchain game or insurance, uh, centralized insurance product, decentralized financial product, is that it actually consists of two parts. It consists uh, partly almost in half of the contract on a blockchain, and it consists in the other half in all the inputs that it relies on. And if either of those halves become insecure or unreliable, then essentially the system that 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 specific contract cannot be relied on in in the unique way that smart contracts seek to be relied relied upon, and and in gaming it's it's no different. It's just a slightly different audience, and they have slightly different requirements. Um, but but all of those requirements are ones that we seek to meet through the delivery of uh, external data, um, soon you know very high quality verifiable randomness, and and a number of other. Uh, of other inputs that that they need, it's it's a very valid use case for blockchains because once again, um, the creators of the application are actually seeking to show their users that their application is immune to being rigged against that same user, and this uh, ability to provide that proof and that guarantee to that user is actually a unique property of blockchains. It, it's and and it's it's something that I see a lot of people working on. And and improving, you know, us us among them. That makes a lot of sense. You know, after listening about Chainlink for the past forty five minutes or so, it's very easy to see why there's such a dedicated following uh, that Chainlink has. You know, everyone that I talk to absolutely loves Chainlink. How can our listeners get more involved with you guys if they if this is their first time hearing about it and they want to join? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, we're actually a very, very open um, group, and we we have a kind of a autocracy that that we seek to enforce both both within the core team, the larger team, and and, and hopefully throughout the community. I, I think it really depends on on how people generally want to co- contribute to to an open source, uh, decentralized kind of blockchain based project like like ours. If if they're very technical and they they can write code. We're an open source project. We're very open about what we're working on and the current state of development and, and, and what we're building at the moment. So we're absolutely open to working with people on an open source basis, on a part-time basis, and, and building out this, this system of oracles to take smart contracts to the next level. If, if there's somebody that's from the academic research or the security research community, we, we have a large and growing uh, amount of uh, real, really, really high, high quality academic folks that we work with. On both internal research and, and all kinds of papers that we're that we're working on publishing along uh, along the lines of how to do better decentralized financial products using oracles. One we released recently recently that was very interesting was called Mixicals. So if you're in the academic community, we we actually have a growing research team that works works on a lot of a lot of these questions. If you're not highly technical, then then we do we do we do have a very active community of people that are kind of pooling a lot of their expertise about certain use cases or they're discussing how something can be applied in an industry they know. We have a very uh, active Reddit community. We, we have uh, an active community on Twitter of people that, that look at the use cases that are going live. So, so basically, I would say if you're a developer, we're an open source project. We work with people open source and part-time you know, on a daily basis. We're, we're very familiar with that. We're very remote work-based and, and we, we, we value good ideas and good, good committed people more than anything else at, uh, you know, on our team. If you're in the academic community, we do very serious research with some of the best academics. And if you're not as technical, we, we have a very good, uh, very large community of people that like to think through use cases and like to think about 
what what are the next steps in the evolution of smart contracts beyond tokenization beyond here's a token that represents a currency or a or a piece of uh, land or something else and 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 if if that's the type of thinking about like what are the use cases for smart contracts beyond cryptocurrencies that if that's of interest to you then 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 we definitely have a community of people that that are very excited and um, informed about what many of those use cases are. Brilliant. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, kind of a, a quick follow-up to that is, you know, are there any projects that are building on uh, Chainlink now that maybe come from the community that really excite you that you want to shout out? Yeah, we, I mean, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of really uh, amazing projects and more and more actually in the Chainlink community. One of them that has done a lot and is well made is called uh, the Link Pool Marketplace. So it's at market.link. So it's kind of the chain link marketplace of a lot of the different, uh, different inputs and outputs. Um, there's another one called uh, Honeycomb from CLCG Group that also seeks to uh, actually do something slightly different where you're helping put data, data on, you know, put more data sources on chain. Uh, there's a number of others like secure data links. We, we actually have a huge um, amount of very, very, uh, very competent node operators that we're all very grateful to because they form the basis of, of Chainlink's infrastructure. And we, we've seen them stay up many late nights thinking through how to make that infrastructure even more resilient and reliable. I think there's, and there's a lot of other people that, that I haven't mentioned just, just due to time. Uh, I'm, I think I'm very, very grateful to all the people I mentioned and, and, and all the other people, uh, both, both building Chainlink and, and making it so that people that can benefit from Chainlink know that, that it's something that can help them solve their, their technical problems. Awesome. And then the final question that we always like to ask everybody that comes on the show, it's a pretty simple one. And it's just, hey, this might be the first podcast that uh, somebody is listening to that is maybe it's the first time they've ever heard about cryptocurrency. Um, What's one word of advice that you would give to newcomers to the crypto industry? That's actually a very interesting question. I I think that I would recommend that people consider what the technology uh, behind cryptocurrencies or, or what the technology that this kind of uses will enable. So it's, 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 it's not always obvious. Actually, actually, the thing that I would say is that if, if you look at the history of technology, it's, it's not particularly obvious what some kind of relatively new technology is going to be used for. And I, I think the thing that I would, I would recommend people do is I would recommend that they think beyond beyond some of the initial use cases that, that people are presenting them with. And to consider, like, if this is one of the things that really helped me, right, is if, if, if you could get other things to work the way that cryptocurrency works, what would that mean, right? Like, one of, one of the things that convinced me to, to basically sink an unbelievably large amount, almost all my time into this space years and years ago, was was that I realized that after I realized what, what Bitcoin actually was, I, I realized that it was a store of value and, and fine, it's has a price and who knows what the price will be and all that, all that stuff. But it, it's actually a store of value that, that somebody has a unique relationship with, right? If, if somebody has money in a bank, it's not clear they have money in a bank. They, they have an agreement with some entity that has something that might return it to them or not return it to them under a certain set of conditions. But with Bitcoin, that set of conditions is, is really, really small, right? Like you have a private key and you're basically guaranteed that as long as private key, you know, cryptography kind of works, as long as the Bitcoin network is up, 
you can you can get access to this store of value. And I just thought about what if that level of assurance was possible for for other types of agreements, for other types of relationships that are currently formed between like a person and some entity and the entity makes them a promise and maybe the entity follows through and maybe the entity doesn't, right? So I, I think that the thing that to see the full potential of this space, I don't think it usually serves people super well to just look at what's going on today. I, I think what serves them well is to understand how these systems work and to try and see how those systems could then be applied to a use case that they themselves even can understand. So if somebody works in some kind of industry, that, that's how I've seen people understand the spaces. They, they understand what blockchains do, and then they suddenly think of a use case like, like your um, sports ticket example, right? And that use case is particularly kind of informative to you because it relates to something that you know is a problem. And then you can see from that point that, you know, this is a massively big difference between, between what is now and, and, and what the system could give you. And I, I just, I, I know it's a long-winded answer. I actually wasn't expecting this question. Sorry, it's taking so long. But I, I, I would just advise that people think about what the technology is actually doing, what it's, what it's doing in the one case that they are having explained to them. And then imagine that that same set of conditions is applied to another scenario where they don't exist. Let's take an example, which, which is particularly relevant for you personally. And, and once they see that the ability to have a reliable contract is, is, a, is a highly significant change in, in, how, in how something works, th- then I think people tend to see where, where this is going. But if, if they just focus on the examples given to them right to them right now at this very moment, you know, wholesale by the crypto industry, like cryptocurrencies are, are, are what it's all about. I, I think it just usually serves better for people to understand the fundamentals of what's going on and, and to, to see how that can be extended in, into all these other fields. I, I guess that I would be my general advice. I think that's thought-provoking answers we've ever had to that question. So well done. And it is really, really important to be curious about the future. What are all these things that are being built in crypto and blockchain going to add up to? Right now, we just have these parts. But when you can have a sum, what's that world going to look like? That's something that I often wonder about and definitely encourage our listeners to think about as well. So since people have some ideas, where can they reach out to you? Do you mind dropping your Twitter handle? Yeah, I think it's my full name. I, I don't spend as much time on Twitter. I'm basically working on all, all of this all this stuff all of the time. Yeah, my Twitter handle is just my full name. I think it's at, at Sergey Nazarov. That's, 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 that's where I am there. Um, I, I think, I think the best, the best thing they can do if they're interested in this is just kind of see if they, if they want to join our community, learn, learn more about what, what all this is about. And we have a very, very open group of people that can help, help get any, any collection of people kind of up to speed on, on, on why this, this might be relevant. Fantastic. And more information at chain.link or smartcontract.com. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us and we'll catch you guys soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.